You're watching Global Trade This Week with Pete Mento and Doug Draper. All right, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Doug Draper, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Global Trade This Week. And we are back in the saddle again with my co-host on the other side of the coast, Mr. Pete Mento. Uh, Pete, you and I have not been together on camera here in uh, in two weeks, so it's good to see you. Hat on backwards as usual, and I'm stoked about this episode, my friend. How are you doing? I'm good too, man. I'm excited as well. I'm I'm trying to decide. You, you got two songs in my head, Doug, um, or three, frankly. Back yeah. in the saddle again. Mm-hmm. You know, Aerosmith. Boys yeah. are back in town. Uh, excellent song, uh, and um, you know the. Boys are back in town. The other version of it as well from the Bus Boys, made famous, of course, by Forty Eight Hours with Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte. Yeah. I, I wonder if I wonder if Keenan's seen that movie. We could have him watch movie. that this week as well. Uh, you were at uh, Global Trade a week or Global Trade Day for Denver yeah. last week, which I heard went exceptionally well. Um, sorry that I couldn't be there with you guys, but. I heard it went well, and we are big supporters of global uh, of the uh, Global Trade Center in Denver. So, how yeah. was it, man? Yeah, the the, um, the the event was awesome. So it was like the first major, not the first major event for the WTC Denver, but uh, as far as a big conference like this. So seven hundred plus, some really uh, really wow. great speakers, and you know it's one of those deals where you get all these. Um, you know, eat, uh, economic analysis type of people. And, and it was the keynote and I was looking at the, the, uh, um, the title of the talk and the talk. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be absolutely boring. Uh, too much an- an analysis. And it was a tax guy. And I'm like, ugh, I got to be respectful and sit up straight and not look at my phone. And I'll tell you what, um, knocked it out of the park. Uh, it was uh, a very good, great perspective on, on uh, uh, China, uh, not only just what's going on right now, but a, a great history, which was able to set the stage, which allowed you to really understand what's going on today. So great speakers, um, great reception. The one thing, um, they had some cosplay people walking around, which was kind of kind of <laughs> kind of trippy. That I was like, are you kind of like supposed to be in costume? Were you hired to come here, or are you an exhibitor that's just way over the top? And um, it, it looked like every booth, um, uh, the, Jap- the Japanese consulate had some folks, the, uh, the UK consulate, things of that nature. So it was, it was good. I'd give it a, a, a an A, an A plus for sure, Pete. I appreciate you asking about it. How were your, uh, how were your uh, talks in the last couple of weeks? You were all over the, all over the place. They're crazy. So, you know, I had Tapatu down in, in Dallas, which is mostly uh, law enforcement. Talking about cargo security, it was excellent. It was it was great to be in front of all of them again. They're a spirited group, um, and it was wonderful. The, the next day, of course, I had the World Trade Center in New York, which is you know the big yeah. one, granddaddy of them all, and it was excellent. Uh, Doug, it was excellent. I, I I I fronted a panel, and we talked about the digitization of the supply chain, which we love talking about. You and I love talking about. So I had a killer panel, man. Like I had the um, I had um, one of the gentlemen who was in charge of e-commerce for Maersk there. I had the, the freshly minted, she's, she's been doing it for like a year now, the, the new port director from New York, New Jersey. She's incredible. 
Um, I had a good friend of mine who is one of the heads of sales for Avalon that was on the panel. Mm-hmm. And then um, a gentleman who runs the group that does the ATA Carnets. So, I mean, it was really crazy just talking about overly honest problems for digitization, things that people don't normally talk about. It was a lot of fun. And then I talked to the uh, furniture and home goods group uh, the next day in Fort Lauderdale. So ping pong wow. around, ping pong around the nation, bro. And, yeah. uh, you know, next, next, next week, I think, is it next? I think next week I'm at Bryant college in Rhode Island to wrap up the month. And, um, and I'm doing a panel there just talking about, um, globalization problems that are associated with world trade that we really haven't been focusing on on another fantastic panel. So it's, it's going to be great. Um, I'm speaking again. So I'll be down in South Carolina. I'm speaking in two in California. I'm doing um, another one in North Carolina. I got two in New Jersey, one in New York. Like I'm, I'm back at it again, man. It's um, Pete Mento world tour 2020. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, everybody appreciates a world tour um, with uh, with yeah, everybody but Amy who wants me home, buddy. Like everybody yeah. but Amy. Yeah. So nice, nice. Well, last thing, the, the benefit Pete, you and I have this platform, so I got to give a shout out. My son graduated from college last week, and awesome. that's why I was not around. And um, my daughter was in the Big Twelve rowing championship and her boat got uh, a silver medal right behind texas so uh she's awesome i got two happy kids at home and uh life is good at the draper household so congrats man i had to bring that up congrats congrats it's those strong draper jeans man yep yeah geniuses and athletes you know geniuses (laughs) and athletes (laughs) yeah thanks for that so anyway Although people, I I care about my kids, not everybody does. And so let's jump into our topics for this week, Pete. Since I opened up, I'll let you jump in with your first. All right. Well, there's only three people that are in the production of this podcast, and all three of them care about your kids, Doug. So don't ever. Yeah. And if if they don't care about their kids, they can turn this podcast off. But anyway, uh, first, thank you. First, uh, first topic out of me this week, an interesting uh, article that was sent to me by my friend Alex Uhanoff. So shout out to True North Group about the opening of the Vladivostok port in Russia to their their new buddies in China and its importance from a geopolitical standpoint and its importance from a Chinese economic standpoint, Vladivostok being a relatively important Russian military outpost, not so important Russian economic outpost, but what could easily be a very important Chinese economic port Vladivostok being a port that had been transitioned to Russia because of a war treaty with Peking a long, long time ago, and had been all but closed off to Russian uh, transit and Russian commerce for, for years and years and years and years and years. Because of its very important geographic position, it allows for both inter-Chinese commerce as well as Chinese exports from parts of China, places like um, Dalian um, and other other very important Chinese uh, areas of commerce that is going to make it much more inexpensive for that particular part of China to export their goods. This is a big win for China. It's a very big win for China mm-hmm. and their ability to export goods. It also has a couple of problems. Um, goods they're going to transit that port will be inadmissible into the United States. You can't transit Russia on your way to the U.S. You can't transit a lot of country uh, to get to a lot of countries if you transit Russia on its way here, because of our current um, issues and sanctions. Uh, 
It's also a big political question because people are wondering if Russia is doing this because they were told that they had to. This is not something that Russia would ever do. And I, I sent you guys a, an article about this that actually said, is Russia becoming a vassal state of China? Is this something they were told that they needed to do in order to get military uh, goods, to get funding, and to continue the purchase of oil and energy by China from Russia, which right now, believe it or not, is not something China necessarily needs to do because the price of energy is actually dropping from other places, which could benefit China. It's a fascinating move from a geopolitical standpoint. Uh, good for China, but not as good as people may think it is, Doug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I wonder if it's coincident that it dropped right after the G7 meetings up there, which were in the same general general area. And, Man, yeah. you know, the, the, the one thing that brings to mind on this is um, not the ambiguity, but the uncertainty. There you go. That's a better word. It's like, okay, why did this happen? Whose side? What's going on? And I think we, we, we will continue to peel the onion back and see, is this an energy play? Um, is it just um, the two nations flexing their muscles, China specifically related to, hey, when uh, dignitaries go over to Taiwan from the United States, let's drop our uh, our military might in the Straits of, uh, of Taiwan and just kind of cruise around so people know that uh, that they mean business. So interesting, just the start of the story from my perspective, and we'll we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, it, it kind of flew under the radar. I didn't hear about it until you shot it over earlier. And um, I think we're going to see a lot more of this to come come around in, in, in the near term. Well, side note, postscript, Doug, if you are ever in Eastern Europe and have a chance to get food from the Vladivostok region, jump on it. It's very good. No, great. What's good about it? Lots of caviar, um, tremendous seafood, and um, the type of vodka, drinks, dishes, and such. It's just very, very good. Oh, That's first. Yeah. Very good, very good. Not a lot of Russian food can be categorized as good. So um, the fact that I'm categorizing any of it as good should be shocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you can have some food of Astok, kit it up. Yeah. Well, I think I'll probably go there never. So um, I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah. Um, All good. right. Hit me, uh, buddy. What do you got? All right. So this is a personal experience when I was out in California last week, but here's the here's the gist of it is that we have a serious final mile delivery problem in supporting the electrification of transportation. So here's a story, Pete, and, and this will take up the bulk of this topic. But so I was in Fresno last week and uh, at the car, the car rental place, they didn't have any cars, but I bought the manager special through Priceline. So they were like, hey, you got the manager special. We don't have any cars except for this one, which was a Polestar electric car, which mm -hmm. I thought was pretty cool. I've never driven an electric vehicle before. Um, so I'm zipping around. It's all fun and dandy. I had to go down to Visalia, which is south of Fresno, and I wanted to make sure that I had plenty of juice. So um, I went to an EV station. It took me a while to find one. Right. It took me on the app, but it's not like a gas station on every corner. You had to go to a specific one called EV Go, I think was the name of it. So it took me to this one that was closest. Um, and I got out and I was ready to put my credit card in. Well, you can't pay with a credit card. You, you got to download the app. So I'm freaking downloading the app. And, and as I'm doing that, again, it wasn't a very good part of town is 
there was this a homeless individual, I believe, that was probably strung out on drugs that had his pants off that was running across the street and cars were stopping. So I'm trying to figure out what's going on over there, try to load up this app so I can juice my car. It wasn't working. So I'm on the 800 number of the power station. This this uh, individual, and I'm looking to my right because that's where I was, starts coming over to me. Right, I don't know what's going on. The guy has no pants on and he's acting crazy. So I get in the car and I lock the doors and I'm still trying to figure out. I'm, I'm not even charging yet, Pete. I'm just trying to figure out how the hell to charge. So he kind of left and he went over to the front of the store. Um, at that time, he flipped over a trash can and the store owner came out and maced the guy. So he's now running around because he has mace in his face. I'm just trying to charge the GD car. So I finally got it. I got it plugged in and I sat there for about 10 or 15 minutes. I got maybe 10% of juice and I'm like, I got to get out of here. Um, this is nuts. So I finally got out of there. It was an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 15 minutes to get 10% juice. Because I didn't know what I was doing. I will admit some of it's operator error. But I'm dealing with this craziness around me. I want to pull up, plug this damn thing in, scan my credit card, and I want to juice up quickly and get the hell out of there. So my, I started thinking, um, mm -hmm. all right, well, the large solar arrays, the wind farms and the water cascading over dams are really impressive. And it makes for some good, good video fodder. But it's all about the connectors that we've spoken about is that's cool. That makes a good press release. But ultimately, until it can get effectively in the final mile into my car or my truck, eventually, that will be delivering freight, uh, there is a lot to be desired. So I went to Visalia. I came back. You have to deliver the car with the 80% full uh, battery uh, or you get dinged, like turning your car in where you don't fill up with a full tank of gas. So I was down at like 45%. So I plugged it in again. I went to the same spot because at least I knew what I was doing. I sat for 35 minutes to take the car from 45% to 80%. So I didn't get dinged when I went to the, uh, when I went to turn it in. So the whole experience to me was pretty, pretty negative, Pete, to be frank with you. I'm never going to get another electric car as a rental. I'm sure there's some benefits if it's your own vehicle and you know where to go or you can charge it at your home at night. But I'll tell you what, man, until they figure out, and, and they is the collective, how do you effectively get in and out of a charging station without having to navigate an app and download your credit card and create an account and deal with people without their pants on and running across the street? Wasn't a big fan, and uh, I think that uh, the general public is not going to put up with the time it takes to, to charge, and it was a firsthand experience I had. I wanted to share that. The final mile delivery of electricity into our vehicles is going to be a monumental step to overcome if we want to embrace this long term. I, I, I'm just waiting for you to take your cane and shake it at the camera, Doug. <laughs> you know, old man, old man yells at sky. I felt that way. That's so funny because I was telling my story that I was telling that story to my wife. and She's like, you're just that get off my yard guy. And I said, yeah. yes, I am. Yeah. Did you did you at least romp on the gas and go zero to 60 in three seconds or something? Did you do any of that? I did once just to kind of get a feel for it. I mean, there's there's some juice there and it's oh, yeah. the car handled great. I had nothing against Polestar. Never really heard of that brand before. They did a, a, it's a really cool car. It's the electrification trying to fill the damn thing up with juice to return it to the to the dealership, to the uh, rental car. So so here here's some 
initial reaction stuff. Um, they are super fun to drive. That that is, and and as as a cynical old man, right? When you're driving, how often do you get in your car and these days say, "I'm really, I really enjoy driving." For me, when I take the top off my Jeep and I'm just bombing around on a sunny day, I do have a lot of fun driving my Jeep. And that's fun. Um, but you know, when we're just driving around in the family truckster, it's not exactly fun to drive. Mm-hmm. When you get an electric car and you romp on it and you, you know, there's just blurry lines blowing past you because you're going warp speed. That's kind of fun. And second question would be, what did it cost you to fill her up? You know, was it expensive to put juice in it when you went on that app? Uh, it's like 27 bucks, something like that. I mean, it's definitely cheaper than it would have been to fill it up uh, with, with gas. But it's still, I, you know, it's, it still seems kind of expensive. Yeah, I could dig it up on my phone here. I got, I did a screenshot that basically said how much time I sat there for the amount of juice. So it was yeah. less expensive than California gas, but time is money, Pete. I didn't feel True. like sitting there for 35 minutes. True, but it still feels a little expensive too. Um, and this goes back to that whole infrastructure bill, you know, that was that we had not long ago where they were going to put just tons and tons of electrification stuff everywhere. And, I, and that's another thing I don't know. You know, I don't know if, there's a universal adapter for putting electricity into a car. I don't know if it's like, if you and I go to a gas station to put gas in our cars, it doesn't matter what kind of car you've got. You just put the old Mm -hmm. gas pump in there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the same way if you've got a Tesla or, you you know, if you've got a Rivian or Polestar or Porsche, you know, I don't know. But I think that, that over time, where we're at right now is the same place when, when, the automobile that was full of petrol first started is people were just trying to deal with, with that. And over time, these things will be overcome, but we are going to struggle with it for some time. And uh, many people like you and I, it's going to try our patience and turn people off. And, but there are folks that will simply adapt it because of the, the joy that they get with helping the environment adapting your technology, enjoying mm-hmm. the new technology. It's just not you, Doug, you know, yeah. and, and right now it's not me. I haven't been blown away yet with something electric. Although I, I do really love those Porsche Taycans. I love how fast they are. Um, yeah. But, but I need, it doesn't matter how fast uh, uh, Tesla is. I just don't like how they look. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being very honest, man. I love Barracudas and I love Roadrunners and I love old Mustangs and Camaros. Nothing about, Nothing about a Tesla to me is sexy, except for the science. The science turns me on, yeah. but that I don't want to drive the science. You know, I want something that looks cool. So yeah. I'm waiting for something that looks super cool before I'll probably ever buy it. Yeah. Yeah. Put, put a big electric engine in a 1970s Trans Am with T-tops and we're on, baby. You know, uh, but yeah. I need, I'm, I'm way too old school before I can get something like that. Though. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Well, that brings us to... <clears throat> Let me try that again. That brings us to halftime. Um, not only is this podcast powered by, but uh, uh, the uh, halftime is brought to us by Cap Logistics. Um, Pete and I wouldn't be here right now talking and sharing our wisdom, quote unquote, uh, without Cap Logistics. So please get out there, check out their website, caplogistics.com, and see what they can bring to the table for you guys. So, Pete, I love your halftime topic. I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so real quick before it's my halftime topic, happy Mar- National Maritime Day, everybody. Uh, very quickly, uh, today is, is, is Maritime Day, uh, May 22nd. 
for about 60 years now has been National Maritime Day. So for all my friends at sea, a couple of them that do watch and listen to the show, hoping for all of you to get home safe. People love you. For those of you who don't know, today has been set aside to celebrate the men and women who traverse the seas and God bless each and every one of them. But my topic today is um, a fun one. I I have a new workout regimen that I started trying out today. I walked the four and a half miles to the Starbucks from my house and I had Amy meet me there and we had coffee together and then she drove me back home. So it's sort of like, you know, destination workout, right? And on my walk out there, I was listening to the Two Bears, One Cave podcast. Um, Bert Kreischer was on it and he had uh, he had Kevin Smith on and he was like a big guest for the podcast. And I thought to myself, if we could have any guest on the podcast, who would we want, right? So I'm going to ask you, Doug, if you could, if we could have any pod- podcast guest, if we could have anybody, who would you want to have on the podcast and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I went a lot of different directions on this one, right? Um, <laughs> something modern era, folks would be like, oh, let's get Lincoln on or Angus <laughs> Khan or somebody like that. So I, I did. So... The down and dirty on to answer your question, because I went a little bit back in time, but um, Shakespeare, I think, would be uh, an interesting guest because um, I listened to some Shakespeare. Maybe my wife was quoting Shakespeare last week when we were graduate at my son's graduation. But his phrasing of, of words and the way he brings things to the table is very unique. It takes you a while to figure out what he's talking about. But once he does, you look in. It's kind of like Yoda. Like, what the hell did he say? And then you listen to it again, and you're like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. Plus, I think he wouldn't take himself too seriously, so that's the why, right? He could come up and give you some perspectives on what he meant by some of his uh, his plays and, like, some outtakes, if you will, from from uh, his discourse. So nothing too so, – so I think he has this amazing uh, phraseology and, and unique way of developing a story. But he'd be able to talk in uh, modern terms and, uh, and get a lot of laughs. So that's that's who I would say would be on the show. What about you? Yeah, I went like just yeah. You you went in a totally different dimension. Like I was thinking of practical professional guests. You know, <laughs> okay. so, um, there's two people I would ask on. One of them because he's getting older, and I don't know if we have a chance to have him on. And one of the gentlemen at Traffic Tech. Um, that I've, I get a big kick out of. He was actually his bodyguard. So Henry Kissinger, I think that we would get a blast out of just like Kissinger stories, like going to China with Nixon, going to China with Reagan, going to China with, or talking, talking to China with Clinton. Like I think, cause Henry Kissinger is, is sort of the dark hand behind everything that has to do with trade for the past hell. I don't know my whole lifetime. So that'd be pretty cool. And, and the second one, Doug, and this is going to be terrible. I would love to have Pete Buttigieg on this show, the current, the current Secretary of the tra- of Transportation. You and I would roast him into a <laughs> fine powder of carbon. Like you and I would, he'd be on the show, like, "Hey, it's a pleasure to be on here and talk about transportation." And then you and I would just like slay him. We would we would turn him into a fine like tapioca pudding of blood and dust by the time we were done with him. You're like, and another thing. <laughs> <laughs> he, he would think he's coming on some soft show of like, you know, two old farts in the industry to have a chat with them. We just destroy him. 
Buttigieg. Yeah. <laughs> On behalf of the entire industry, Secretary Buttigieg. Yeah. <laughs> just like rip them apart. You can see that. Yeah. Like we would, like the Sklar brothers. Have you ever heard of those those guys? No. Those no. comics. We would yeah. just rifle through it, just like I'm oh, thinking yeah. of those guys. So. Yeah, yeah. He would, he would, he would probably not be able to sleep for two or three days from the psychological scarring. Of the yeah. two of us, yeah, it'd be pretty bad. But everybody would love us. We'd be heroes. They'd put our faces on T-shirts by the time we were done. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, so what's your halftime, buddy? Oh, uh, my halftime is um, what the hell's going on with uh, with theme songs for all of the um, streaming service shows, right? Uh, so I was thinking back in the day, if I say Gilligan's Island, the Jeffersons, uh, Facts of Life. Mm. Even friends, to some degree, you could write, you could crank out the theme song, and you could sing the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing, and 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 now it's just it it's garbage. I've been watching a lot more more shows, and um, I, I don't know. It's just like Sons of Anarchy. Here's the ones I was thinking of: Sons of Anarchy, Severance, which is a crazy weird one on Apple, Succession, Shrinking is another one on Apple, Animal Kingdom. Like they're horrible. Like yeah. I don't even I, I fast forward it. And another one that's horrible that my wife loves is a podcast called Smartless. It 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 is funny, but it is the worst intro of all time. So I don't understand why in this day and age we can't have some catchy, nice sing along uh theme songs that are that are out there, um that, you know, have been around for, for decades. And um, I think the the one of all time is the Jeffersons, right? Everybody knows the it's Jeffersons. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a halftime once where we brought this up, Doug. I don't remember what, what episode it was, but I told you that the the two greatest um, two greatest theme songs ever ever in the history of, of shows were for um, Taxi and were for um, Barney Miller were my two favorites. And, you, and I, I remember you disagreed with me. Maybe. That, those were yours. I, I also like Sanford and Son. It's another excellent yeah. one. Um, yeah. but you're right. Um, the new ones are really just not very good. And I think that a lot of it has to do with them trying to they just hire some guy who puts a digital thing together. And it's I don't think it's meant to be memorable. I, I will say there are a couple that I do like. I like the theme song for Castle, if you know that that yeah. show. I think it's, it's pretty good. Um, but think of some of the more iconic, like Dukes of Hazard, dude, with Waylon Jennings, just the good old boys. How fantastic yeah. that was! I mean, that would—I think that charted. Um, Saint Elsewhere, um, uh, uh, NYPD Blue. Some of these shows had um, what was the one for? Uh, there was another one that was a, a cop show in the eighties. Anyway, there was a bunch of them that that people remember. And yeah. how many folks can still belt out Archie Bunker? However many years later, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's shocking how how few folks remember all those. But you're yeah. right, Doug. Let's bring it it's back. It's garbage. And the thing is, is if you're watching it on a computer, <clears throat> it basically says skip intro, but you can't skip intro if you're watching it on on your TV, right? So you're forced to listen to that garbage. Yeah. I'm just incredibly disappointed. All of those shows are good shows. The theme music is horrible. It just irritates me. And, and yeah. get off my yard, by the way. Yeah. Oh, get off my lawn, yeah. Oh, soap opera themes, man. Um like, the restless, uh, general hospital. the restless general hospital um th- those all are all songs that again, days of charted. our lives these, these are the are days of our lives. they all charted they were all songs that made it onto the list and, and charted so uh yeah i don't know what happened man it just they all fell apart my brother it's sad yeah. it's sad yeah. 
So, all right. All right, so my next keep topic. Rolling. Yeah, keep rolling. It's you. It's funny you mentioned the G7 a little while ago, but everybody was in the news was talking this week about how Mr. Zelensky showed up for the for the party. Fascinating, to be sure. But what was not talked a lot enough about was the fact that the most of the G7 was openly engaged in discussing in ways to put China in a box, mm -hmm. literally. What are we going to have to do through um, diplomatic means, if necessary, in the future to ensure that China does not become a problem? And if necessary, put them into a position where they cannot be harmful. And they talked about sanctions. They talked about keeping chips out of China's hands. The Dutch and the English and the Japanese and the Americans talked about making sure that they sanctioned China, made sure that they were using export controls to keep China um, at arm's length, doing what they could to keep cybercrime um, out of China's hands, to make sure that cyber theft was, was toned down with them. I mean, it was outward at this point. And a big part of that had to do in step with Mr. Zelensky's visit. China is supporting a land war that's being engaged in Ukraine by Russia. Mm -hmm. And although it might not be much different than what America is doing, and Germany and Great Britain and all these other European powers, they've picked a side that those countries aren't happy about. And um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but this idea that China is testing out their ability to financially wall themselves away from Western powers in case they were to decide, decide to engage in a battle of their own in Taiwan. What will we be able to do now that we've shown our hands with these sanctions? A lot of that has to do with gold. There was a moment last week, uh, I don't remember if it was on the show or after the show, where Keenan talked about the repricing of gold as an example for the gold deposits that are in the... Um, the New York Fed. Um, and I've spoken a lot about it. It's funny, ever since he brought it up, I've spoken a lot about it. Uh, the, the gold reserves that America has currently in the New York Federal Reserve Bank, down in a vault far beneath the surface of the New York Bank, are currently, um, they're currently valued at $44.22 a troy ounce. But gold, I think, is valued at like $1,998 an ounce right now on the market. Why? A lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't want the Federal Reserve to have too much sway there. And it's not the gold itself. It's the gold, the gold uh, certificates. If America decided to take their billions of dollars worth of gold and revalue it, what would that mean for China's stocks of gold? What if they were to go out and start buying gold like China has? They, they're openly talking about ways, minting the coin, doing things to mess with inflation, doing things to mess with the Chinese RMB, and they're letting China know that they're serious about doing it. So they're, they're actually being very brazen, these Western countries, and talking about their means of financial warfare in a way that I have never thought that they would be so brazen. And it's interesting to see, Doug. Yeah. Well, the one thing that you made mention of just a second ago was choosing sides right um i think this is um with your first topic you have russia and china let's open up a port that is one side you have Zelensky coming over to the g7 that's another side so i think it's just another tangible example of how the world may be migrating to left or right one side or the other um and i think there's going to be little nuances as things progress with U the ukrainian war as the catalyst and the rallying point behind um 
you know, uh, one of the sides, so to speak. So it's just, I guess, my takeaway on that one: very interesting, and not, and, and but to dumb it down, it's another example of how the world is separating into one or the other camp. Yeah, absolutely. It's scary. It's you know, likens itself to a global conflict and the beginnings of the days of World War One. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so, Doug, bring us home, buddy. All right. So this is a different take on uh, on AI, right? That's been the the hot topic for for months, and um, I think we're finally seeing applications or talking about applications beyond, hey, I need to write a quick report or I need a, a fast little post on LinkedIn to hype up something, and you have ChatGPT take care of that. Um, so here, here's my take: is ChatGPT the, the next RFID that was so hyped up in the 2000s and then how blockchain was hyped up in, in the 2010s, so to speak. Both are still around, both have some application, but that was going to change the world. Things were going to be monumentally different and um, neither one of them kind of took hold or really did a whole lot. So um, the different take, and I know what you're thinking right now as you look at me and getting boiled up, um, could AI just be more hype in our in our industry? And um, I, I don't know. Part of me is yes. Part of me is no. It's a whole nother whole nother animal. I could go through all the different you know applications. I think there's going to be savings for service providers like you and I are in. Um, I think it's going to streamline well all kinds of stuff. You and I could go down that lot that that litany. But this is a different take on it. Is it just another RFID and a blockchain that got a lot of hype out of the gate? Um, or is there some substance here? So I would challenge our audience to say, take away the fact that it's gotten a lot of hype and it's the cool thing to talk about, which is exactly what blockchain was and exactly what RFID was. Let's let it calm down and let's let it um, resonate a little bit. Is this just another hype that's going to come and go and the true applications are going to be missed or really not um, uh, not relevant? Oh, Doug, is AI going to be your new drone? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but no, I don't know. We'll see. What do you got? I want to, It will depend on your response. How's that? So things like these large language models where they're – so AI doesn't think right now and not yet and who knows when it will but its ability to gather tons and tons of information sift through it and then spit out something is 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 the new search engine and i you know you and i are we were young men we were young men when when the search engine first came out and men who are our age then looked at it and said, well, that's what libraries are for. And what, what is this contraption you guys are so excited about? And the information superhighway was going to change everything. And we were going to play with it with our televisions and, um, and, our, and our desktops and our laptops. And nobody saw the hardware change come. And they were idiots. And I, I think where we're making the mistake right now is that we're not blindly seeing the hardware change coming. And that hardware change is quantum computing. When quantum computing becomes a reality, and that reality will come in the next 10 to 40 years, 
AI is going to radically change life. It will change. I can't like I. I say a lot of crazy shit, Doug. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the crazy shit I say, like a lot, like like seventy-five to eighty percent of the crazy shit I say, effing happens. So, I mean, if, if I was a baseball player, they wouldn't pitch to me. I would walk every single freaking time I'm at bat. That's how good I am at predicting stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm. When quantum computing happens, when you mix it with artificial intelligence, they're going to use it to do mass computation of problems. They're going to use it to do mass research in an artificial environment. And it's going to solve all of humanity's big questions. Hopefully, it's what we use it for. Mm-hmm. But we're probably going to use it to solve questions like through differential equations of what should I be investing in. Markets are going to be pointless. Like financial markets are going to be pointless because it's going to, it's going to use all kinds of, of bizarre quantifications to figure out what markets are going to do. It's going to figure out meteorological trends. Weather is going to be something we just know. Like, Doug, it, it, trust me on this. <laughs> and, at the, and at the same time, cybercrime is going to break the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're looking at a whole new period of existence. Health and, and, and human services, medications, um, you know, healthcare, space exploration, military might. It's all going to change. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear, I'm, I'm a believer in it. The point of that was taking a different perspective of it, right? All the things you spoke about are, are, are very real. And I think the, the implications of this moving forward is scary, unbelievably exciting, and unknown all at the same time. So uh, I was just taking a different perspective on it. I don't equate it to drones uh, by any stretch. But I, speaking of drones, I wanted to bring that up real quick, Pete. Oh, but, there, there's some partner, drone partner with Walmart that is um, did a bunch of layoffs. But um, their CEO guy, the last name of Walker, I'm sure he's super smart, but he basically said they're shifting away from enterprise services such as construction, real estate inspection, and move towards drone delivery for items of paper towels, ice cream, and rotisserie chickens. Like, I think he should flip those around and say <laughs> delivering ice cream and chickens is something they need to move away from and focus more on enterprise applications. So anyway, I just had to get a drone comment in. It hasn't been a while since I've done it. And I felt you and the audience was waiting and needing some feedback on drones. Doug, we're going to get a bet at some point where, where I'm going to have to, for, I'm going to force you to become a drone operator. Like I'm going to force you. <laughs> Because I, I want one actually. Because when Amy, I, Amy and I go to these rugby matches, there's sometimes you'll see someone operating a drone to get like above the game footage. Sure. I think that yeah. would be so cool. If I was playing rugby, I'd love to see how the team was performing from that angle. And I, I want to do it for Hudson's games. So like I, I would, I'm going to probably end up doing it. And then you're really going to hate me because I'm going to well, be that. So the drone delivery. I mean, if you start getting excited about delivering rotisserie chickens, I can't oh, even yeah. believe. I can't even believe that that was brought up. It's the drone delivery. Aspect. Trust me, there's a drone that flew over my daughter's race down in yeah. Austin, Texas. Yeah. That was phenomenal. I loved it. But there was no ice cream or chickens that they were dropping out of the sky. 
I get DoorDash and, and Uber Eats pretty consistently. And I'm sure, well, I, no, I live in a high rise, right? I got a penthouse apartment and a high rise. And if you could have that drone drop off my faux gas on my balcony, <laughs> no problem. That would make me so happy. But right now I have some nice college kid that drops it off down, you know, on the, in the entryway, which is no. fine. Don't get me wrong. Beggars can't be choosers. But, you know, I wouldn't mind it at all if someone had a drone that dropped it off here. Doug, when are you just going to admit the fact that the robots are taking over, buddy? And it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I diverted the topic there at the very end, so I apologize about that. But um... but it's okay. Uh, and hey, that's what this show's all about, Doug. You know, we have a we can talk about pretty much whatever we want as long as you know we keep it keep it classy. And uh, <laughs> we appreciate Cap Logistics for giving us that opportunity. And as always, we thank Keenan for uh, keeping. <laughs> keeping the lights on and the train on the rails uh, while we do talk about it. And um, we thank all of our listeners and all of our viewers for uh, listening and viewing and for telling all their friends as well. And uh, Doug, as always, man, it's always a pleasure. Drone loving son of a... And uh, I'll see you again next week and we'll see you all as well next week. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you again Thanks soon. Thanks, everybody. Thank yeah, you. Bye-bye.